there really aren't many black-owned butcher shops in the city. Like, I remember in, like, 2019, people telling me not to even not to even try doing this because the Italians and the Middle Eastern Easterners and people like this had the butcher game, like, on lock, that it wasn't even worth it. I mean, that didn't matter to me. It's just talk. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. Not everyone can say they had a first job like Abu So. At 11 years old, he began working at his uncle's slaughterhouse in Jamaica, Queens. It was there he learned how to slaughter animals according to halal standards. One pass of a clean knife blade across the animal's throat. And even after pursuing other careers, the 26-year-old has found his way back to the meat industry, opening up his own butcher shop called Prince Abu's Butchery. But Prince Abu's Butchery wasn't originally a brick-and-mortar shop, so began the business in a classically millennial way, selling his products through Instagram. Beginning in January 2020, people would order fresh meat via Instagram DM and so would deliver. Then, in August 2021, he signed the lease and one year later, opened his own space. Today, I talked to So about how he got started and what's in store for the future of Prince Abu's butchery. My name is Abu So, and I'm 26 years old, and I have been in the meat industry since I was a child. Culturally, it's always something that uh, came natural, and I decided to take my skills and knowledge and develop a business within the industry uh, for everyone to enjoy. So can you tell me a little bit more about you working in the meat industry as a child? I know you started working at a slaughterhouse very young. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and what you learned? Sure, yeah. My first job uh, was inside of my uncle's slaughterhouse, which is in Jamaica, Queens. And I started working there when I was 13 years old mm-hmm. on the weekends. I worked there all through high school and some of college, and it was there that I learned to slaughter animals according to the halal standards, one quick motion, jugular to jugular. I was also learning to skin the animals, dress them, gut them, and quarter them up. So I worked in slaughter all the way to about, I was 22 or 23, and I started actually meat cutting when I turned 25. And meat cutting refers to taking the quartered animals or the carcasses and cutting them into the retail cuts that you'll see on a dinner plate or on the lunch plate. And I know you got into artist and craft butchery as well. Can you just tell me a little bit more about how you got into both uh, artist and craft butchery and the cuts? Like what motivated you to keep going? So doing the craft butchery was like the next step, right? Because, uh... Within the industry, like, everything is butchery. Once you're taking a knife to flesh, that's butchery. But you have different stages of butchery. So while I started out in the beginning of it, which is the slaughter, the next step was to get into the craft butchery, which is, as I mentioned, the retail cutting. So when I had the idea to open my own business, it was going to be the craft butchery. And so I knew I had to start learning that. So I would look at things on YouTube, instructionals. I mean, there's instructionals for anything on YouTube and it's free, which is great. 
So I would look there for inspiration and learn how to cut different things. And then I also have several friends and mentors that are butchers as well. So I pick up different tips and, and learn things from them in order to uh, hone my skills in that, in that field. And your butchery started out on Instagram. Can you tell me what led to you opening up an Instagram and selling meat there? And what was that like? Yep, I started on Instagram. I guess what really pushed me to start on Instagram was in 2018, I won my first business grant. It was called the eBay Startup Cup, powered by Griffin Works. That was like a about a five-month program where we had to pitch sort of like Shark Tank style in order to win the $10,000 grant. And through throughout that accelerator program, they pushed us to start our businesses as soon as we could. And so Instagram was the quickest way that I could start. So I would get meat and post it on Instagram and let people know this is what was available and they would purchase it and I would use things like Venmo and Zelle and Cash. And yeah, that, that's how I started on, on Instagram. How would you get the animals? And when did this start? Was it before the pandemic or right right when it started? Sure, sure. I started right before the pandemic. I started in January uh, 2020, which was a great time to start mm-hmm. and uh i mean i had no idea that the pandemic was going to happen but starting right before it was great because of the food shortages and specifically the meat shortages so throughout january february and then throughout the entire year i would actually go directly to farmers that i knew that had uh livestock that they wanted to sell they would slaughter it right there a lot of them are turkish and uh, they produce really, really, really good uh, livestock. And so I would drive to their farms, pick up meat, and bring it back to uh, the city. And how did the pandemic change the business? I wouldn't say that the pandemic changed the business at all because I kind of started right with it. So there was no like shift. I was already doing deliveries across New York City, but it did allow, it did help the business grow. I definitely got a huge head start because people really couldn't find meat anywhere. When did the idea to open your own butchery with a, in a physical space begin? I always wanted to open my own butcher shop, even as a, as a kid, but it was just an idea. It wasn't anything that I was actively working towards. I didn't really start working towards it until about 2018. And what was it like finding a spot for the butchery and, you know, just getting clients? Like, what was, you know, when you had the, when you, when you knew the next step was the physical place, like, what was that experience like for you? Finding a store, when I first set out to find a store, it was very difficult. I was looking for a store for at least nine to ten months. And I was going from store to store, landlord to landlord, broker to broker. It was just a not, it was just like a constant uh, process. And none of the stores I saw were really working out until I found the one on Sineway Street. And uh, it just made sense. So we went with it. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me a little bit more about what it's like to be a Black-owned butcher shop? There really aren't many black-owned butcher shops in the city. Like, I remember 
and like 2019 people telling me not to even not to even try doing this because the Italians and the Middle Eastern Easterners and people like this had the butcher game like on lock that it wasn't even worth it I mean that didn't matter to me it's just talk but I still knew that this was something that I wanted to do and that I could do and so I did it I think it's important for us to see ourselves represented in multiple fields in all fields again as I mentioned sometimes you may see you may not see someone that looks like you in the industry and you might think that you can't participate in it because you don't see anyone that looks like you especially as a child so if you see someone doing something that you want to do that looks like you then you, you you may think to yourself like oh I can do this too and have a Senegalese background. Do you have any cuts or special ways of dealing with the meat at the butchery that kind of like reflect that part of your culture? Yep, every butcher shop has a certain culture to it, especially if it's owned by a certain uh, people or, or culture. And they'll implement things within uh, their menu that reflect their culture. And so being West African, like if people were to come in and, and tell me they want to make a certain dish or recipe, uh, it'll be very simple for me to create the cut that they need for it. For instance, if they want to make something like DB, which is the grilled lamb, I already know I have to take the lamb shoulder and slice that for them very thin so they can grill it. Or if they want to make something like jollof, I know they'll need like chunks of meat so they can mix that into the rice or whatever it might be. But Again, every culture will, will implement their own dishes and recipes into their menu. And what makes your store different from others? I think what differentiates us is, is that uh, we're really approaching this as a brand first and not just a butcher shop or meat market first. And so we really aren't limiting ourselves to just selling meat. So we have uh, plans of getting into clothing, music, like a lot of different things. So the brand is first and the, the product is secondary. And lastly, how can we support your business? People can support our business by supporting themselves. That's how I always say it. So yeah, I always push people to eat a healthier diet. So you can support us by supporting yourself and stopping in and trying out some of our, our products, which are super fresh. We have a one week turnaround on the meat. The animal is purchased, slaughtered, harvested, cut, and then available to you within the same week. And so stop in, try something out, and that's how you can support us. You can visit Prince Abu's Butchery Tuesday to Saturday from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. at 3288 Steinway Street in Queens. And if you mention Epicenter when you shop in person, you can get 10% off your order. Before we go, our new weekly update on monkeypox in New York City. Make sure to stay tuned for the latest information on vaccines, testing, care options, and much more. Hi, I'm Sam Zacker, back with this week's New York City monkeypox update. Last week, I answered some of the most common questions we get about monkeypox, including how does monkeypox spread, what are the symptoms, and what should you do if you're experiencing some of these symptoms. If you haven't had a chance to listen to last week's episode and want clarity on any of these questions, make sure to check it out. This week, a closer look at monkeypox vaccine eligibility and rollout. 
Right now, only some New Yorkers are eligible for the monkeypox vaccine. Since there is a limited amount of doses available, the city is focusing on our neighbors currently at high risk of exposure. Note that eligibility for monkeypox vaccination changes as the outbreak evolves and based on vaccine supply. For example, prior to last week, eligibility was limited to people who are 18 or older and have had multiple or anonymous sex partners in the last 14 days and identify as a man, cisgender or transgender, who has sex with cis or transgender men or transgender women, or transgender, gender nonconforming, or gender non-binary, regardless of the gender of your sex partners, or transgender, gender nonconforming, or gender non-binary, regardless of the gender of your sex partners. Now, eligibility has expanded to include sex workers and anyone engaging in survival sex or any type of transactional sex. That means those who engage in sex in exchange for shelter, food, money, and other goods. If you are confused about whether or not you're eligible, click the link in our show notes labeled monkeypox vaccine eligibility. Now, an update on the vaccine rollout. On Friday, September 2nd, the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene released more first-dose appointments and also began offering second-dose appointments. If you haven't had a first dose yet and are eligible, email us at vaccine at epicenter-nyc.com or call 917-818-2690 and we can make an appointment. You can also schedule an appointment at vax, the number 4, nyc.nyc.gov slash patient slash s slash monkeypox or visit some city-run sites as a walk-in. For more information on which sites accept walk-ins, visit the city's VaxFinder website, vaccinefinder.nyc.gov. If you've received your first dose of the monkeypox vaccine at least 10 weeks ago, then you'll be notified, either via text or email, that you are eligible for a second dose. Once you get that notification, you can go ahead and make an appointment. Keep in mind, second doses will only be available at least 10 weeks after the first dose. If you're not sure if you're eligible for a second dose, you can check online at the city's Facts Finder website. This website and all other websites I've mentioned today are linked in our show notes. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to, in our podcast description. <laughs>